real quick, uh, normally stupid Scuba and the Rye is a streamed show on Twitch. However, due to some technical issues and internet internet related issues, uh, after several attempts of trying to make a good stream stable, we were unable to. So, episode sixty one of Scuba and the Rye will be a recorded and uploaded version of the show. Uh, tonight we have. Uh, Beth Loomer from the Lake Geneva Museum, or Geneva Lake Museum. It's weird. The city's called Lake Geneva, but the museum's called Geneva Lake. So it's like trying to keep. I tell you why. Yeah, it's good. The reversal. That'll be fun. So uh, we have uh, Beth here. Um, We did cover a few things in the fighting with the stream. And rather than try to fight through that recording stuff, uh, we're just going to take the show from the top. We're going to roll right through our punch list. And have a nice chat with just the three of us. and Just the three of us. Just the three of us, yep. Alrighty, so, first thing first, as always, uh, thank you to Sirenscape for the soundboards and background music that you hear throughout this video. Thank the, you. Uh, they have a plethora of soundboards and soundbites for tabletop games, art, fantasy games, sci-fi games. Go to sirenscape.com and check that out. As always, thank you to the community uh, for the subscribes, the follows, the likes. Uh, continue to share this out through your thank you. social medias. And uh, if you're since you're wa- probably going to be watching this on YouTube, be sure to hit the like button, the subscribe button, and the little bell button so that you can see future videos as we upload them. Uh, now that we've got that out of the way, we're going to skip our what's up and roll right into uh, our reviews. And real quick, Rye, give us a give us a short version. The short version. I can do the that. Short version of the rental. The rental is a new horror thriller from first-time director Dave Franco. Hang it's on, available. Hang on. Oh, slow down. Oh, slow down. Oh, okay. You. Uh, I was going really fast. Okay. Oh yeah, you were. You were. You, you were just flying. Okay. All right. Give me the cue. All right. Cue. All right. The rental. It's a new horror thriller from first-time director Dave Franco. That name is uh, very familiar. He's in a lot of comedies and the brother of James Franco. Um, This film centers around uh, uh, two couples who decide to go away on a weekend vacation, decide to rent, uh, uh, do a vacation home, an Airbnb up in the woods. Um, It's a celebratory time for them, but the celebratory time turns into chaos when an unknown entity starts to create confusion between the couples, and then insanity ensues. Um, this film is very character-driven, um, and, and the horror elements are driven through the ideas of the darkness that is in our own human devotion. And this unknown entity brings out that through different um, uses and of technology and other things in the house to create havoc between the couples. And from there, it just turns into uh, just a survival of the night for the couple. Um, This film is very great because it uses characterizations to bring out the horror elements of of the atmosphere. So instead of relying on the typical uh, techniques and tropes that you see in horror films, where it's slamming the door, ominous sounds, the empty screen behind you on your left or right, it relies on you being entrenched in these characters' lives and the unraveling effect that it has that happens to them of being out of their norm in this house, in this unknown place. Um, so once uh, it heads into the third act and the, the, that ominous entity is revealed, um, tragedy ensues and it brings a wrap up and to the anomaly and uh, answer to the idea of how um, 
our fears can be uh, created from within. So, and as we were talking before, Beth, you thought this was a really interesting movie, or is it because you're just a horror nut, or? No, so I'm actually I've I've never really been a big horror person. Um, I'm way too act, overactive of an imagination to successfully watch horror movies. No, like it's really bad. Like it, like once an idea gets in my head, it like stays there, and then it just like flies and gets bigger. So I'm actually uh, venturing into the horror genre as a whole new genre. For me. Um, my roommate is a huge horror fan, so. I've slowly been making my way into it, and the thrillers are kind of like the gateway drug into <laughs> the, the horror. Um, but I just thought this one was fascinating because of the um, the idea of it, that uh, kind of like we had said in the live stream a little bit, that like it, it was it normal to stay in strangers' houses like even 10 years ago, but now it's just like, yeah, I'm going on vacation. Let's just go stay in someone's house that we have no idea about. And it's like, it's one of those things where you're like, yeah, that'd make a perfect horror movie. And then they came out with one. So it's like, I've been like waiting for something like this to kind of come out. So I haven't seen it, but I'm looking forward to it. But it's also like we had talked about, Steve, the um, grounded in the realism, which just makes it that much more. Yeah, there there terrifying. is there is a true authenticity to the film because it it focuses majority on the characters and then just them unraveling effect because of the mm-hmm. things they find in this house and just being away from their their natural habitat or you know away from their yeah. own comfort yeah agreed especially when you th- but the thing for me though is the fact that this movie is not a new premise that's that's probably the worst part it's a night it's a new twist but it's not a new premise. I mean, how many different movies where it's like, oh, this um, motel that's kind of off the beaten path, or you know, vacation homes, Airbnb, all of these things where it's like something is a little creepy. We don't know what's going on, what's going on, what's up, and then getting into this. And of course, always it's like everything looks nice on the outside, but then when you know, things start to get serious is like people's flaws come out. And I oh, think yeah. that's a interesting element for this movie as well. It's like these couples seem very happy until there's something that is genuinely creepy and people's reaction to it. Because yeah. it's uh, that, that they don't think that would ever be something normal. And then how does each person handle it? It's a lot. It's a very, I think that's a very interesting premise uh, even though it's not a very, it's not a new premise, it's interesting to see how you can kind of toss them in the bag and see what comes out. Yeah, it's it's yeah. It, it, it's very. You strong gotta roll for initiative, right? You gotta figure out what's gonna happen. Oh yeah, it's totally roll for initiative, and you know what's your perception checks and all that fun stuff. All right, Rye, what was the rating on this uh, one? The rating on this was a three point five out of five. A matinee. Um, it is available on Amazon Prime. It is a good, uh, good thriller. Um, it does use a lot of familiar concepts, but like you said, toss it in the bag and you see what comes up. Great writing brings out funness even in the familiar. So check it out on Amazon Prime. It's available today. Alrighty, and our next one is going to be Project Power. Oh, look at the kitty. Now you can do your Bond villain thing. Oh my do the Bond villain thing. with the cots. <laughs> <laughs> Although the cat ran off. 
her. No, she's here. <laughs> Alrighty, so Project Power, this is the latest Netflix original film. And yes. I've got to say, the Netflix original films that are done with these more American actors, like Bright and, and things like this, they're definitely a different kind of film. Very much so. But... Right, real quick, uh, take it from the top. Tell us about Project Power. All right, Project Power, just to reiterate, it's a Netflix original, um, and it centers around New Orleans when an unprecedented drug hits, the, hits their streets and leads to mayhem. Um, in the mayhem, uh, to face against all odds, three individuals team up to take on those responsible for the drug. Um, the three individuals that this movie focuses on is an ex-soldier, Art, played by Jamie Foxx, uh, local cop Frank, played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and newcomer Dominique Fishback, who plays Robin, a local teenage dealer. Um, so basically, it centers around this uh, this uh, drug, uh, uh, this power pill that grants you superpowers for five minutes. The catch is you don't know what you're going to get, and there is strong ramifications when you take this pill. Um, through um, through that leveling of the premise, it doesn't really. Uh, um, stray away from that premise and the heart and the soul and the gravitas of this film are the three main leads um they are all brought into the city because of this MacGuffin, uh this power pill and they all start to get entangled within a, a linear story where they have to come together to face up against the villains so this drug doesn't uh, reach the, reach anywhere else beyond the city um Seeing their, seeing these three together is is what makes this journey enjoyable. They they give you the heart and soul. Um, they there are reasons why uh, their lives get entangled with the pill, and because of that, you see uh, true uh, true emotions and true acting ability on seeing why, what the effects of this pill has on their lives. Um, everything everything else around the film is very typical of an action or comic book film. The villains are very one note. They're the mustard, uh, mustache twirling villains that you would see in any other films. Um, you know, the film doesn't go too much beyond the premise. It does explain stuff here and there, but it's pretty much an A and B uh, scenario that characters go from here to here to here until they reach the third act. That's when the film kind of goes a little bit bonkers, but it highlights what this drug can do which is a great thing because the action is very strong in here the cgi is very great especially with the ramifications of the drug and in the end everything wraps up in the end very nicely it does give you uh, a benefit to watching these characters get to the end because it's a very gratifying gratifying experience take it away scuba um i'll finishing a thought on something beth why don't you give us your take it away beth impressions um, but I, a fan of Machine Gun Kelly, so that was fun to see him in the beginning as Newt. Um, anything with JGL, I am always a fan of. Um, so he's, uh, it was, uh, the cinematography of it I really found was very interesting. The, um, the shots that they used and stuff like that, I thought it was, it was different than some of the movies you had seen kind of uh, like what well, you had said, Rai, about how um, it's like the Netflix movies and how they're kind of like different after you mentioned that. I kind of thought about that a little, like thinking back on what Bright was like and just 
the um, there's a lot of experimentation in the cinematography, which I think is kind of cool, uh, especially for being you know not like a traditional studio. I don't know a ton about like studio movies versus like Netflix movies or anything like that, but um, I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, they definitely set it up that it could be open-ended a little bit um, because, I mean, obviously she's still alive. Not everyone, like, is gone. So it's kind of, uh, they, they, they left it open for themselves if they wanted to um, take it somewhere, if it did well, I'm assuming. So... Yeah, um, it's definitely a little spoilerific. Spoiler on that one, but yeah, it's sorry. It's okay. Your guest, you can get away with it. You are allowed. <laughs> I'm learning to not spoil movies. <laughs> oh yeah, I've I've I, I've um, doing movie reviews. I've learned how to talk about films without spoiling it there was only one film i had to do spoilers for in my reviews mm -hmm. but um that was only because if i didn't talk about the, the one section of the film it would not have made sense of what the review is but other than that I'm, i i do a good job of dancing around certain things in my reviews but i thought this movie had kind of started off a little weird because I didn't quite understand where it was going or what it was. I mean, you read the synopsis on a film, it's like okay, but then like a lot of like a lot of things, like like books and whatever, it's like you got to get something in that first little bit to really draw you in. Otherwise, you kind of get bored with it unless you know you're just one of those people. It's like I'm not going to redo a half-finished book. I started it. I'm going to finish it. Yeah. For me, this one, once you got through the introductions, which, to, I mean, they don't feel rushed, but they also, depending on how you want to try and place it, but once you get past the introductions, you're still kind of trying to figure out what the heck is going on. And the fact that there were so many red herrings in this. Um, again, I'm not going to try and spoil it, but there were a lot of elements in this. It seems to take a little while before, once you got past all of that and the everybody kind of was set on their path then everything started to make sense and the film really took off and i felt it was very kind of ingenious in what they were trying to mess with and it goes back to one of those things it's like you don't messing with genetics is just never a good thing yeah this film showcases it a lot <laughs> so yeah totally um without spoiling it <laughs> There was one scene that scared me, but Jesus. So yeah. Oh yeah, and the the, the movie reference jokes and the Mar the, the comic book jokes were just all over the place too. Oh, yeah. But uh, go check that one out on Netflix. Ryan, what did you give this one? Um, overall, I think it was a fun ride. There's a lot of generalizations in the film, and it doesn't go too far off premise, but it's fun. Three out of five. Three out of five. Yeah. Okay, so if this was in theater, it would be worth checking it out. Yeah, or it would be worth a netflix subscription oh yeah it's worth watching on netflix it would be worth going to the theaters for the right price gotcha all righty so we're going to flip back over here what we got over here 
I'll flip over here and we're gonna do our state of game. Gamey, gamey. Uh, state of game is typically the point in the show where we talk about the various video games we've been playing and what we've been playing and all the things associated with that. Uh, as usual, we typically start off with some video games, uh, but we'll kind of... I don't think we have a whole lot we can we can really talk about video games, but I think probably the more interesting thing to talk about would be what Beth has been working on, because she's been so patient. She, we, 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 we've had her on for like two hours, and we have yet to talk about why we brought her on, because of tech issues and all these other things. So anyway, let, let, let's focus on that, and we'll kind of skip the video game stuff and move into odds and ends. That way we can all go to bed, and I can get this uploaded. Yeah, you know what games are I'm playing, people, so that's, that's all you need to know. Alrighty, so Beth, tell us about the Geneva Lake Museum and what interesting tie-in that has for gaming. Absolutely. So, um, as I alluded to, well, not in this stream yet, um, I, I live in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin, which is the birthplace of, um, of game that we are all aware of, uh, Dungeons and Dragons. So, um, we are... At the museum, we actually have a new exhibit that's going to be going in. It is actually entitled A Legacy of Imagination, The Creation of a Culture. And it is going to be looking at the creation of this game, of uh, this RPG that uh, revolutionized all gaming from this point forward, basically. Um, because if it wasn't for for the RPG, if it wasn't for this, it would, uh, you know, we wouldn't have the video games that we have today. It's because of the scoring systems and stuff like that. So um, there's gonna be a museum exhibit about it. <laughs> so it's uh, it's pretty exciting. It's we've been working on it for um, I've been working on it for over a year now, actually, um, and then. You know, uh, COVID <laughs> have been kind of pushed stuff back a little bit, but um, we are looking at that as a positive because it's given us an opportunity to really hone in on the design of the entire exhibit and the content that's going to be in there. Because um, there's obviously, you know, the fathers of role playing as far as like Dave Arnes and Gagak and people like that. And, um, Gary happened to live in Lake Geneva for a significant chunk of his life. So, um, you know, we'll get a chance to uh, see, learn a little bit about him, a little bit about the company TSR, about the development of the game, but then also the cultural aspect of it and how it has affected and created its own culture, gaming culture. So, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, we were we, we talked a little bit about this last week and whatnot, and so the whole so the whole thing with this is um, how did how, what spawned this idea, more or less. I mean, um, it's so for me personally, I have been I play D and D. Um, I have been playing for just over a year now, and um, we had a program at the museum called Tuesdays at Two which has unfortunately had to be suspended at the moment due to COVID. Um, but um, Ernie, Gary's son, came in and did a presentation on his dad. And so it was really cool to, to hear about it uh, and to hear about him, not just like in the in the proverbial like 
hearing about the, a designer, you know, but like hearing about like the, the guy, the man behind it. So that was really cool. And then um, I was scanning some stuff in the archives and I happened to come across a letter from, from Gary to the museum and it had to do with uh, some significant uh, events in the town. Oh, so really? I'm not, I'm not gonna give like a, 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 a noteworthy event in the town, which is actually kind of cool. That is actually a little bit of a, uh, um, a point of contention, I guess, with some people because of <laughs> when it happened and what they did. I'm not going to give them away. You're going to have to come check it out. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, that it was just really interesting. And I was like, wait, we have this. Why don't we have this on display? We have people asking us about him and about stuff in the museum. And so that's kind of what spawned it. And then also, so being a fan, but then also um, kind of having the technical background, the, the academic, the academia background for it as well. Um, so it kind of started from there that, hey, we have this and we have this information and we have this location. Maybe we should see if we can make make something. So um, kind that's of cool. <laughs> started from there. Uh, it's nice. And what's the academic background? You said you're, you're. We talked in the. We talked previously. You were talking. You're attending starting grad school, but you are. But so far, you study anthropology. Yeah, um, human geography and anthropology. So basically, um, people, places, the things they left behind, and the cultural impact. So that's kind of my my background. And then I'm currently starting. Um, public history, which is like oral histories and like uh, a little more, more modern histories and uh, museum studies. So, and I've had, you know, museum studies classes in my undergrad, which is what really kind of gave me the foundation for this and the uh, scene, like what, what really brought it to, um, brought it to, I don't know, fruition isn't the right word, but um, the aha moment. I guess is that like I just I happened to be at the right place at the right time and had just the right amount of knowledge to be like hey this is a thing we should make this thing happen oh yeah it's like some of the the, the it was old show on history channel uh way back when it was called man moment machine where it was like okay you have your piece of technology you have your look you have your the moment in time then you have the person mm -hmm. and it was like you so yeah sometimes that's just it's a happy coincidence and then you never know what kind of fun things occur um, and then fun things like this like <laughs> getting the to, to play on you know meeting you through contacts and making contacts and being able to play online <laughs> if, if you would have asked me if i'd ever be streaming playing a D, &D game i would have said what are you talking about <laughs> <laughs> It's what hilarious. Is this? I'm like, I'm cool. I'm officially a streamer. And my brother's like, you're never that cool. So <laughs> it keeps me grounded. Well, you know, we're all we are all the centers of our own stories. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, that's I, I was in so, the right place at the right time. So. <laughs> so what kind of so what kind of things are going to be in this exhibit? At least as a preliminary, because he said it's not scheduled to open till next march right spring yep so the goal is next spring um hopefully to coincide with gary Khan that's gonna be in town we don't know they don't know if it's gonna be 
in person or virtual, you know, once again, everything's kind of up in the air. But um, the goal is to have it open for spring. Um, whether or not there is a convention, the exhibit will be opening. And um, it's, there's gonna be a lot of the, most of the items are actually gonna be on loan from private collectors. Um, the, and the real thought behind having items on loan is so that every few years that we can switch out items and bring new pieces of history in. Um, because I mean, we, we are a small museum, so it's not like we don't, it's not like we have this extensive collection where you hear the, the statistics where like in most museums, 80% of it is in the back room and you only see like 20% of it. And it's the opposite for us. It's like 90% of it is out on the floor versus like 10 of it in the back in the archives. So, well, you know, that's um, probably those big, large ones that have like the big underground facility. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, we're, we're going to be able to have by having it's a permanent exhibit, but by having items on loan, we're going to be able to see a lot of different items and fun items that um, people have loved and collected and now have the opportunity to share with other fans. So that's in a safe, secure <laughs> environment. <laughs> so, yeah. and you were saying they moved the table in. What, what what's up with the table? Yeah. So um, tonight uh, it's pretty exciting. We actually got the gaming table moved into the space. Um, so there is we have a game table in the space because that makes sense. Um, it's actually a table that was donated by Hammer Game Table Dan Fisher. Um, fantastic guy. He's super fun and he's so good at his what is his craft and um he uh, donated a table to the museum and that's actually probably the largest piece that we have in the room um and it's really cool because it's going to serve multiple purposes it's going to obviously be and it's a really good example of um what is grown out of the culture as far as like pieces you know that were um, created for the game and then it's also going to be a display and it's also going to provide people a place to come and play in the space not you can't like just roll up with your dice and be like sweet let's like sit down in the middle of the exhibit and play a game but um it you know like like any of the other rooms any of the other spaces in the museum i mean you can um you'll be able to rent it for a bachelor party, bachelorette party, a weekend with your friends, coming to Lake Geneva, you know, you'll be able to actually play in the exhibit space surrounded by industry. So, it's... You know, I gotta say, that's like the new thing. It's like, you know, going to like adult clothes or doing all this, that was so like 40 years ago. Let's all go play D&D &D for, <laughs> for those kind of things. Okay, good plan to me. Yeah, it does. Um... Rye, you got any questions? I mean, I know the last interview, I was like, okay, well, let me include Rye a little bit more. <laughs> um, so, uh, this exhibit, um, what, what are, what is uh, the hopes of um, adding on into the future into this exhibit? Is there anything you want to expand with? Because I notice uh, museums, they, they they start with something and they start expanding with other things to be attached to like other kind of exhibits that you hope to put in there um within like the museum is in related to the 
current to this exhibit or just in the museum in general? Um, well, the museum in general. Uh, well, I know, so we, we are a, we are a big, small museum, if that makes sense, <laughs> in that we, we are larger than a uh, traditional community museum, and we're very different than, uh, we're not your typical small town museum, so we, but we don't have a lot of space without taking out other exhibits, okay. so I know that, um, it's not like we can eventually turn the whole main street into like a whole DD exhibit like that. <laughs> probably not going to happen. Um, I mean, it'd be fantastic. I mean, I can like see it, like the table lining main street or main street for, I mean, you know, it'd be great. I mean, we've talked about it, special events, no spoilers, no hints or anything, but you know, maybe keep an eye out for that. Um, mm -hmm. Doing some special events that we could, um, it's more so the programming that we could possibly expand because of this. Not necessarily like physical exhibits, but to to do more uh, community programming with it, because um, it is something that um, like fan fandom tourism, as far as like you know like people going to the places where things were shot, like for videos or uh, for movies, and the um, you know going to places where things were created, that is definitely uh, something that this can provide a starting point for, for like people to come because there's a lot of stuff around town that's actually really cool uh, that is related to this okay. but uh, there's not a lot of uh, structure around it okay well that's a that's so, a really good th good thing yeah uh, generate a venturing from place to place within the within that spot yeah you could have like an entire D&D weekend in like Geneva with your buddy, like, you know, hang out, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, and be able to do that. So it's, uh, but <laughs> I don't want to give too much away. I mean, I am. Oh, no, no. I mean, well, I'm, I, I'm, I'm, this is, this is going to be one of many, I think this is going to be one of many conversations we have. But as a nice tease to kind of get into that, there's this exhibit, which is all D&D, &D, and it's going to be really cool. And the fact that you're going to have this evolution of D&D &D in there and an actual game table to where if you can rent the space and sit there and play and see all of these things. And the fact that making connections in the community to have them donate or loan items for you to display is going to be interesting because then it's going to be really kind of stretching out. Um, and there was another project that's kind of in tandem with this that's getting ready to come out. So what is that project? Yeah, um, so one of the things about the uh, museum is, uh, well, any any museum, any exhibit, any project like this, it's um, they can be expensive. <laughs> a little bit. Funding, funding can, be, can be a challenge. And so, um, we are actually getting, I see, we, we're uh, I'm building a Kickstarter campaign to, to go along with the exhibit, um, to help fund the exhibit. Uh, the D&D community, because that's what people call it, it is a community, it's not just a, it's not just people you play games with, it's your friends, you meet, you meet friends through it, people meet their significant others through it, you know, like it, it's a community. And, um, the biggest thing about the Kickstarter is that 
any level that you donate at, our base level starts at $5, you are a founder in the exhibit. You, you are helping create the exhibit. So it's, it's being created for fans, by a fan, by fans. So That's pretty cool. <laughs> Created for fans, designed by a fan, and funded by the fans. Yeah. So the museum for um, the fans. So kind of like the kind of like the Serenity movie, like you know, it just it had to happen, and the fandom made it happen. Oh yeah, 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 totally. Cut long, but hopefully you're not have to worry about getting canceled and then being a cult following. The cult following, oh, no. quote unquote, is already following into this. So yeah, yeah. this will be great. But you, I mean, yeah, you know, if Joss wants to help us out, that'd be totally cool. Give us a shout out. Come, come, you know, be a part of it if he wants to. Yeah, that's cool too. Uh, <laughs> to be a part of it. But yeah, so the Kickstarter is going to be launching in October. Um, we're going to have some fun items to go along with it, some custom pieces, some custom stuff. Um, Working with, uh, don't want to release too much information. No, no, we, we want we want to feed it. We want to get them to come yeah. back. Cause I definitely definitely want to revisit this conversation again in October when it gets close to that to that Kickstarter launch and all of the things that are involved with that. Which I'm not even going to spoil the surprise on from what you and I talked about. So we'll we'll just tease this about you. You're gonna to want to come back to follow this as as this develops. Teases for you people out there. Yes, definitely want to see how this develops. Um, so we've we got the exhibit, it's been planning, and we're, we're getting ready for it to open. You're starting to get it to all come together. So I'm curious, I'm definitely wanting to hear how this develops, and I can't wait to hear more about the Kickstarter. But I think that was a very good tease for what we got coming. <laughs> <laughs> Because we don't want to get, we don't want to tip our hand yet. We got to play it close to the vest until we get there. I mean, that's why you gotta. That's why you gotta have need to follow the museum on Instagram at Jenny Blake Museum, and follow us on Facebook page. And the exhibit has its own Facebook page as well for updates. We actually um, are doing an interview series. Um, that one interview will be released each month. It's called Interviews of Imagination. And they are with um, our first one that was just released this month, actually, was Mike Carr. So the very first player um, was nice. our first interview. So you can check that out on our Facebook page. And so each month leading up to the launch of the exhibit, we're going to have interviews with people in and around the world. Some some of the, the original, some of the TSR and some of the uh, some of the next generation as well. So. Yeah, we're going to have those links in the uh, doobly-doo at the bottom. Uh, make sure make sure we have those links down there so y'all can follow and check this out. And, you know, the Instagram, the, the Facebook, all of those fun things. So, yeah, so um, I, I think that's pretty much it we wanted to cover for this first uh, tease on this, right? Is there anything else that was kind of a burning wanted to get out there? I mean, like I said, we're psyched because the table is in the exhibit space, which means there's... And the table was donated from Hammer Games? Hammer Game Tables, yep. Hammer Game uh, Tables. Okay. He, Dan, he's the, um, he created the table for the 50th anniversary Gen Pop 
that was used at center field. Okay. At the Colt Stadium. So it's uh, pretty well, pr pr pretty interesting. Yeah, that'll be fun to see. Yeah. And that's our that's our that's our our next interview. Is someone very high up in the Gen Con world. Oh, nice. Yep. Yeah. So that's our next interview. So that'll be launching in September. Okay, cool. Cool. We're definitely going to be following to keep keep up with that. Like I said, there'll be links on the doobly-doos. Um, anything else? I think we're good on that. And as far as game stuff, we had that first session of Challenge Accepted. So it kind of shifted to talk about a game setup to a different kind of game setup. Um, season season two, episode one, uh, that happened. Uh, that was your first uh, streamed D and D game, right? Yeah. <laughs> so what did you? Th know, but it was fun. <laughs> it was so, cool. so what were what were, what was a highlight for you for that one? Um. Uh, I think it it was. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Wow. I mean, the fact that I got both of them. Oh yeah, you got both. Of, <laughs> spoiler: If you haven't watched the episode, you got both of the kills on the on the combat. Win for you. I got both of them. You are awesome. I was just gonna leave it at that. I got both of what? Yeah, you got both. You got both kills on that. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely go check that out. That was that was fun. Welcome to Barovia. <laughs> Yeah, we were like, sweet, this is cool. There's the thing that we need to get to. You're like, oh, wait, <laughs> but wait. And There's it's like, more. <laughs> I don't, huh? This is, let's not all die in the first episode. <laughs> so that Take a was few rather steps exciting. <laughs> well, part of that is like, since we try to make that game interactive with the community, and the fact that we have those mechanisms, been playing with those mechanisms, it's where the viewers can actually help affect the game live, so to speak. <laughs> so I think I thought it was it was a nice thing to kind of take that, and it was like you get it was the boon and the bane at the same time. So it was just it was great. Um, but yeah, the investigation has started, so we're gonna see what happens on the next episode. I liked my conversation with Tavros. That was funny. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely getting that RP, RP in there. The who? What? The other what? Who's the other? <laughs> there was a nice little clip of that. Meta in there. <laughs> yeah, there was a nice clip that was posted up about that. It's it great. It was absolutely great. Ooh, starting to do that too. I guess we uh, need to be moving along. So let's move I've along. I'm caffeinated, so I can move at a high. That being said, um, we're going to kind of skip the rest of our traditional uh, state of game. Just, just That's fine. Um, nothing update. Ghost of Shima is awesome. Um, spending late nights playing CrossCode on the Switch. <laughs> there you go. All right, that's good. We'll, uh, we'll revisit that later. But let's move into our odds and ends and have some more fun conversations. Oh, yeah. Alrighty, so odds and ends where we find random stories on the internet and we discuss our opinions and thoughts about them. 
our first story is, is, which is probably why I'm talking in this voice, is the fact that it has to do with, you know, people like to have glamorous things that are completely impractical. And what can be under the guise of being practical? You know, like the $4,000 shoes that have water in them so you can act like you're walking on water all the time. Or, you know, how about a... No. That's not the one I wanted. That's the one I wanted. There you go. We're gonna talk, you know, this is, it's COVID-19, it's all of this stuff about, you know, people wearing masks, this is now the new trendy thing, is to wear masks, there's plenty of those memes where it's like, I can wear a mask in a bank and no one's gonna call the cops, <laughs> that kind of stuff, to, to, you know, having to wear these, wear these masks for social distancing and whatnot. And in this particular instance, we have a mask that was commissioned for a Chinese uh, businessman who lives in the United States. And he wanted one that was encrusted with diamonds and gold. Lots of expensive material. This is ridiculous. <laughs> I'm sorry, this is a $1.5 million mask to help you avoid uh, for social distancing um not uh, we'll be fair it does have a spot that will hold the m99 filter yeah gotta stay protected people but i mean the rest of this thing is just obscene in, in my humble opinion we're talking this was decorated with th 3600 white and black diamonds fit um and the whole thing comes in at roughly 270 grams. That's just over half a pound. Yes. How is anybody going to want to walk around with that on their face for more than two minutes? Yeah, well, this uh, businessman definitely wants to be fun, his uh, mascaroon. And uh, as reported in the New York Post article, quote, Levy, owner of Yuval Company, said the buyer had two other demands. Two other demands, Suva. One. That it'd be completed by the end of the year, and two, that it would be the priciest in the world. The the last condition he said was the easiest to fulfill. I'd say so. Beth, what do you think about this? Beth, are you still with us? I think I don't know. I'm having some technical difficulties. We had a bad storm come through here. Oh no slept through like slept through it looked like there's like huge branches down didn't yeah. hear a thing so my internet's kind of weird too on my end yeah i sleep through everything i'll probably die in a firestorm too so. <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> this is not our night That mask is weighing heavy. <laughs> they cut out on you again. Oh no. Oh my gosh, hold on. What on earth? This is probably. At least we have a good selfie. Because, uh... We do have a good selfie. Is that better? Yeah, it seems like it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. It wouldn't be how I would spend 1.5. 5. 
$5 million. <laughs> but, I mean, you know, the small economic... personal prerogative yeah I, I i agree with you i think this is another one of those instances where somebody has way too much money in their pockets way too much and this is how they choose to spend it now on the flip side the fact that the israeli-based jew the israeli jeweler jeweler and his company that made this thing is he even said this is pretty ostentatious but on the other hand the fact that it did provide some job some work for his employees so while this may be crazy ridiculous way to spend almost uh, 1.5 million dollars it did actually provide some work and considering that is something we're definitely struggling with in a lot of regions uh, as far as the whole post the whole covid crisis and the fact that the industries like the tourism industry has been completely decimated all and has has been hit by everyone everyone was hit by it yes so you know i guess we just have to go with it he could have just given everyone yeah you know he could he could have made the bracelets given them to people that would have made people happy he would have spent his money other I mean, this just strikes me as like I need a I need a status symbol. That's all. Yeah, that's all it is. It's about let me stand out for no apparent reason. Yeah. Have, and you, have you seen our culture? Fair point. This is the girl, the girl with the purple hair. So. <laughs> but that's an actually uh, that's a good thing. So if we dive into your academic background, being someone who studied who, anthropology and culture and whatever. I mean, this is not something. This is definitely not a new trend in human society. Every time, every so often, you have people who are the quote-unquote elites ha measure their status by what crazy, obscure thing they have. I mean, yes. it, there was the yeah. big, there was the big game hunting in the early 1900s before you know realizing the decimation because before realizing the decimation of animals it was like it was considered a status symbol to have a tiger skin rug in your home if you had lived nowhere near india and, or you know hunting saying that you hunted lion and elephant and all these other things in in the uh, the the continent of africa or what what are i mean take it back further further like ancient greece or whatever it's like oh i have this weird thing that the rest of us are like what the world Sorry. well i mean i mean you, you think about like this things that are that are no longer i had a conversation with a friend uh we had indian the other day mm -hmm. and we were talking about pepper and how people used to get paid in pepper because only like that was a status symbol to have pepper like the spice like our kitchen table spice that you have everywhere that's everything that came from India, but before then, it it was not commonplace whatsoever. Yeah, wasn't it a thing back from the Roman times to trade in salt as a currency? Yeah, people would get paid yeah. in spices and different things. Yeah, so, spices were the trade of the day. I mean, that's that's with anything. It's like I have this, you don't. We barter. I mean, that's the premise of bartering: is I have something that you want, you have something that I want, and we feel that this is an equivalent exchange. So. I am a fan of bartering, as you saw in the episode, because my first thought was, 
Oh yeah, yeah. Do that with it. <laughs> oh yeah, and it, it worked out really well with those perception rolls because you know, you know, always the dice will determine that the dice will give it and take it. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so this is just status. But speaking of status symbols that are actually kind of funny, mm -hmm. uh, let's talk about IKEA. And we've done several of these stories so far where all, Animal Crossing is like the coolest thing people are doing and just. So much of their time is getting sucked into playing Animal Crossing, which I can totally understand. I mean, this is like the game right now for, you know, the Switch, which is why we have such a hard time finding Switches. Ooh, excuse me. But in this particular case, I mean, we've seen them do Spirited Away. We've seen them make a Danny DeVito-shaped island. I don't know why. Boy, that's what they do. I mean, there's... But in this case, the Taiwan... Uh, division of ikea decided to recreate sections of their catalog in animal crossing uh, some of the selections they chose were based on our limit are based on the limitations of the app of the game as far as what items you can and can't generate but this is this is just one of those we're kind of, we're, we're just this is cute this is popular this is trendy so let's keep doing this yeah animal crossing taking over the world and invading our ikea space with some interesting pictures it does add to that credence of creativity because the more and more uh you know you give people space in the virtual world the more they can integrate some creative thoughts and planning and it is pretty cool to see how ikea has managed to create some of their uh stuff in the game oh yeah i think it's absolutely hilarious you have to be careful though are the are the the business laws the same in the oasis as they are outside of the oasis ah good reference i like that that's a very good point i mean we we don't know i mean we we could be there was some of that back when uh the game second life was the all the rage yes second life was and companies were rebuilding structures within the digital space uh for second life Granted, Second Life has fallen out of popularity, and now we're replaced by Animal Crossing. Yeah. So but it's there the new is deal. a virtual world where things are being built and commodities are being traded, so... Some of these authors, man. <laughs> yeah, they were nailing it. They see things. Yeah. <laughs> they see the future. We are going into the virtual space. It's always made great science fiction, and it's one of those things that borderlines on the whole dystopian stuff. I mean, there, there's a great, there's a game system, Shadowrun, which is all about, you know, corporations control the world, not government. Yeah. Mm, well, don't they? Yeah, that, that's kind of where I was leading with that, where <laughs> someone's like getting into these megacorps that can dictate policy and governments really can't do anything about it. So, yeah, it's, 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 it's an interesting, interesting thing. But, I mean, this one's kind of cute. <laughs> yep, and it's one of the games oh, that yeah. I have been avoiding on the Switch because I know I would lose life going into that game. Speaking, speaking of crazy cool, let's talk about the new spice. What is the new spice? Well, the spice must flow, as we all know. And in this case, the spice is Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Cinnadust. Cinnadust. 
the dust of cinnamon. I mean, this this literally tells itself. We're talking the the company that makes Cinnamon Toast Crunch has decided to to package their signature taste in a in a in a spice, and are launching it um, September first. And it, excuse me. Don't mean to yawn on camera. I really don't. This has been that kind of a day. <laughs> Maybe I need some of that. Maybe I need some of that. I mean, that'll be a great in-game thing. But anyways, I digress. Yeah. So they're marketing this as something you don't have to put on just your toast in the morning. You can put this on your ice cream, on your cherries, on any other kind of dessert or any other kind of food. This might be the new pepper. Who knows? But this is just... This is just awesome and crazy <laughs> at the same time. But... As a report on people.com, you know, the seasoning is a blend of cinnamon and sugar with some sweet notes of vanilla and graham. So, being able to put cinnamon toast crunch on everything else, I think I might try. Yeah, uh, on the, here's the here here's the here's the funny thing. <laughs> this is going to start being available on September 1st. Oh yeah. And it is going to be exclusively available at Sam's Club. So, might be time to go check out the local Sam's Club in early part of September to see if there's a rush on us. Beth, what are your thoughts on this one? Well, I'm a Costco girl. So no Sam's Club shopping for you. Oh no, you can just find an excuse to go in there. <laughs> or just find a friend that has a card. It's, it, yeah, duh. Yeah, that's, that's pretty much Absolutely. how you roll. Hey, you got a BJ's card? Yeah, I, need I mean, can you get me something? You got, yeah, you got. Sweet, let's go make it happen. Yo, uh, so I think it's, and I'm a fan of Cinnamon Toast Crunch. I always liked Cinnamon Toast Crunch. So when I saw this article, I was like, yes, yeah. this is, I'm okay with this. This is, and a then, good. like, when you read yes, what it good. is, and you're like, my mom used to make a cinnamon sugar concoction. I have a container of it in my ca in my cupboard right now. I mean, seriously, it's like, where was I 20 years ago when this cereal came out? <laughs> oh yeah, like I, I don't, I don't. Yes, I mean, you, okay, anymore. you gotta give them. It is brilliant marketing. It is. It's 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 brilliant. It really. And you think about the time it's coming out. They're coming out with a cinnamon-ish flavor for fall. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's perfect they, timing. They picked their they picked their season accurately. For oh, the they did. Season. Yeah, because cherries sound, sound odd, but apple pie, apple crumble, pumpkin spice lattes. Yes, they are definitely pushing that out right now. <laughs> yeah, they're all coming back, and it's like, ooh, let's check yeah. this out. I definitely might grab one of these. And it's ninety degrees here in Wisconsin. I'm not ready for fall flavors yet. <laughs> 90 degrees today. <laughs> yeah, when that weather plummets this fall, it's going to plummet hard. Yeah. But alrighty, so our next yeah, it's great marketing. I love it. Alrighty. Our fourth story. This is one of those. This is one of those things. It's like you'd think this was a movie. But you realize the movie is probably the nice way of putting this. But yeah. Bear with me. Bear with me. This one's this one's gonna be a little bit of science. 
Okay. All right, so we, we all know mosquitoes suck. Pretty much. <laughs> and we've all and and there've been all these bits with mosquitoes. I just got that. I'm sorry. I'm slow. <laughs> Uh, it's okay. I tried to avoid it, but okay, Dad, I was like, calm down. The Dad jokes. I couldn't help it. I gotta get one every so often, you know? Alright, so that being, that being said, so <laughs> mosquitoes uh, are been one of those nuisance insects. I mean, they and, and the thing is, the females are the ones that bite and draw blood, and they transmit several diseases that are just nasty and miserable uh, from dengue to yellow fever and the big one lately has been zika yeah um so communities are trying to have spent millions of dollars trying to control the mosquito population as such uh they've gone to the point that they've decided to genetically modify uh, a, a strain of mosquito to be released out into a local area to basically try to kill control the population through genetic manipulation now they, they i think they did this in a movie called jurassic park and i don't think it turned out too well so and it didn't dealt with mosquitoes then too and i, I don't know like Professor Malcolm is probably. I'm surprised Jeff Goldblum has not like re, re resurrected his character. Dr. Oh, he did. Like, chaos theory? Anyone? <laughs> did he? Yeah, he was in the latest. Uh, he was chaos in. Theory. He was in Fallen Kingdom. I mean. Oh, but for this? I mean, yeah. Because of this article. <laughs> like, I was. It's probably a silent partner. I, I'm not gonna lie. Reading this when I. Reading this when I got to a couple of points, immediately I've got that movie playing in my head and that scene with the egg when they're talking about controlling the dinosaurs' chromosomes to where they're all one, one sex. And it was like... Yeah, so... Yeah, and it's like, no, we control their chromosomes. It's very easy. It's like, okay. Well, guess what? In, in, in that fashion... Uh, this company called Oxitech developed a male mosquito, which they've dubbed OX513A, which is, I kid you not, programmed to die before adulthood unless it is grown in water that contain antibiotic tricesaline. Yes. I probably pronounced that off, but to me, that's like, oh, that's a lot like the dinosaurs if they didn't get a certain enzyme they would just lay down and die yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, and the thing is they feel the, now, now keeping in mind this is a culmination of over 10 years of research in multiple countries with hundreds of people and they beta tested these mosquitoes in the cayman islands panama brazil and brazil with some 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 results uh, overall favorable favorable rates that some could argue up to a 95 percent success rate but now they want to release it in communities in in north america and needless to say the citizens are like wait what you want to do what yes so, 
And the reason, and I remember, the, now this is an article I remember reading years ago. Well, the reason this resurfaced is Monroe County has gotten their final approvals. And Monroe County is in Florida. They've gotten the final approvals where next year they're actually going to release 750 million of these genetically modified mosquitoes into the population in an effort to control, if not, and eliminate the, the, the specific mosquito subspecies that is known for transmitting most of these diseases. Yeah, so they're hoping that it will kill them off and, and prevent any more spread of this disease down here. Memorial County is the Florida Keys. So um, if y'all didn't know that uh, uh, geographic lesson for y'all people out there. But it's in the Keys. There's also talk about releasing it in a couple of counties in Texas. However, they have not gotten nowhere on that. And probably one of the things that's really kind of sad with this is you'd think something like this would be under the purview of the EPA, you know, Environmental Protection Agency. Well, apparently the EPA has said, we're not touching this. <laughs> so they've done no extensive research into, the, into any potential long-term effects. So because the EPA said, we're not touching it, that's roadblock removed, and now they're going to do this. I mean, yep. The EPA basically just said, "Go for it." But, you know, Florida is the test site for a lot of things. I'm sorry. I think I think it's life's going to find a way. I, as much as I want to want to think this is a good idea, I'm just sorry that I don't see this ending well. Yeah, it probably was. It won't. But. Even with the positive rates that they got out of the other countries, it's still manipulation of nature, and nature likes to fight back. So, Beth, what are your thoughts? <laughs> I have two thoughts. The reason I was laughing so hard is um, Lilo and Stitch. Yep. <laughs> the the reason Earth was not destroyed is because it was a protected habitat. Or yeah, convinced them that mosquitoes were endangered species. <laughs> yeah. I put that out there. <laughs> the worst part is, the worst part is, if you just think about the infinite expanse and the, 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 the just all of those possibilities, there probably is an alien species out there that has thought that mosquitoes were endangered and therefore has not visited Earth. But, you know. They probably looked down and said, nope, went back home. So that, that's the first thought, was Lilo and Stitch. It's not a bad thought. Sorry, it's late. Like, it's hilarious to me. Um, the second thought is, uh, you're going to be messing with a complex food chain. Because you think of all the creatures that eat the mosquitoes. I mean, I know there's lots of other insects out there, but if you, like, what is that going to do to the ecosystem as a whole within, like, a food chain, like a food web, you know? Yeah. Like, you is... learned about, like, as a kid? That, like, okay, so there's bats, there's frogs, there's birds, all these things that, that eat them. What are they then going to eat? How is that going to change? Are they going to be coming more into uh, bigger cities? Are they going to be drawn to more populated areas? Is that going to cause the extinction of other creatures, of other species? Totally. I mean, I, yeah, I think this is a total butterfly effect or the 
the essence of chaos. <laughs> and it's just like the essence of chaos and the fact that, and the thing is, is it's what is going to be the reciprocal on this? It may not be the mosquito directly, but it may be like you're saying something different along the food chain. For all we know, these genetically modified mosquitoes might inadvertently cause a mutation in the viruses they're trying to eradicate the transmission of. And that's never turned out badly, has it? Yeah, you know, when you modify a disease and it gets released into... Oh, or <laughs> a creature eats them and causes genetic mutations mm -hmm. in that creature. And then it's like the TV show Zoo all over again. <laughs> I haven't seen Zoo, but... The world gets... Oh, it's good. It's about, <laughs> yeah, people messing with uh, genetics. I've seen enough of the older films. I was in a, there's a, one of my favorite movie quotes from was from an old Peter Weller film called Leviathan, uh, where um, they just stumbled across a Russian uh, ship that was doing genetic experiments, trying to, and it, the result was this um, entity or genetic or this like deep sea hybrid type monster creature. And the doc who figured it out was like, you don't mess with Mother Nature. Because Mother Nature will do strange things. And then there's like the whole I am legend. There is... A, wait, we just watched a movie today. Powers. That was straight up genetic lottery. Let's give you a pill and see what happens. Oh, wait. <laughs> no, nothing will go wrong. You might die. So basically, we're giving the animals that are eating the mosquitoes a pill, and we'll see what happens. Hey, I guess so. I mean, roll the percentile dice. Let's see what happens. Yeah, if, I'm, if I'm walking down the oh Wall Street in the U.S. and I see a, I see an alligator walking on two dancing to margarita pill, I might turn my way and go back to the dream. Yeah, that you go. I am not on the set of Zootopia 2. It's like, I need your autograph, Right? Sir. I need your autograph. Can we take a selfie? Alright, so enough doom and gloom. Let's talk about... Frog. Oh yeah, there's another one. But I can't stop. Hey, you're in a good crowd here. I am a movie aficionado. But we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the, the, the extinction and the Jurassic, Jurassic Park events later. Let's uh, kind of close out odds and ends on a happy note. Happy, happy. We got a great happy note. And our happy note is recent news as of last uh, weekend at the Washington National Zoo. Uh, we have the birth of a new baby panda. Oh, why is this? I mean, one, this is a nice positive way. It's talking about new life and all these cool things. And pandas have pretty much been like the poster child of endangered species. So, now this one's cool because the this particular panda, Mei Zhang, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, I apologize. It's alright. Had her fourth panda cub. Four. That was born in captivity. Or born, and the previous three, once they each turned four, they all went back, to, they all were, they all were taken, taken back to China as part of an agreement with the Chinese government. This is the latest one. Uh, another thing is, um, Mei Zhang happens to be a 20-year-old, 22-year-old giant panda. So apparently she's she's getting up at the upper end of her uh, maturity, 
and so this was a this was also a big significant event because you know she's kind of she's, she's been around a while and she had a successful birth and it was her fourth successful birth in captivity so all the happies it's very nice to see another panda cook and it gives me another reason to go back to the national zoo which is my one of my favorite zoos to visit so yeah, I mean, they had the whole thing broadcasting on their webcam. Oh, yeah. Say again, Beth? Aren't pandas marsupials? Uh, They're not actually a bear. That's actually an incorrect, because don't they crawl into a pouch? I can't confirm it. <laughs> Google! Google! <laughs> what do you say, Google? Panda is a marsupial, not a bear. That is the question, and... Tired Beth for the win. Yep. <laughs> Let's see. Okay, for many decades, the precise, uh, the precise taxonomy classification of the giant panda was under debate because it shares characteristics with both bears and raccoons, however. Molecular studies indicate the giant panda is a true bear, part of the family Urzidesa. Okay, so even though it's so, there we go. It is a bear. Cool. And the giant panda was has been referred to as a living fossil. Ah. Huh. I'm not Ooh. even going to go down that rabbit hole. Just leave it there. Hey. You have Google? Go find out. Yes. Yeah, that's some um, knowledge. So we've covered a lot of science, a lot of science fiction, and all that fun stuff. <laughs> Lots of fun, exciting things to and talk about. Culture. Yep, culture. Culture is great. Culture is everything. Well, that's the end of that. That's the end of our. Uh, odds and ends and we don't have the chat because you know the internet has been like crappy with us and, but yeah I think I think we're pretty I think we're pretty good for the night I know we ran a lot later than we normally do because of all our tech issues <laughs> but Beth uh, thank you for hanging out with us thank um, you. <laughs> hopefully our next uh, conversation will not be so buggy and you know we can get into it a little bit more maybe uh over the breaks over the next few weeks with uh, challenge accepted uh yeah rye thanks for hanging out with uh hanging out tonight late too i know normally we're not chatting this late at night well well yay and nay we kind of do off the mic but it doesn't matter to me i'm a late bird so about it. but yeah if you if you like film that i do have a movie review website Yes. I have a lot of reviews on there. Ryreviews.com, all one word, and it is a great repository of the many years Rye has been doing reviews. Since 2012. And I think this weekend we are planning to watch New Mutants on Friday in the theater. It'll be kind of scary, but, you know. The, the movie or the watching it in the theater? <laughs> well, it's been delayed three years so we'll see how it turns out it's supposed it was supposed to be geared as a horror film so right i forgot about that yeah new mutants was 
It was supposed to be horror, but then they decided to tone it down a little bit. Uh, yeah, and then it was like they positioned it to release after uh, X-Men Dark Phoenix, which did absolutely horribly. And then they were like, oh, I don't know about this. And then, of course, you know, they were sold to Disney. And Disney was like, you know, how Disney does things. So and it's like, oh, I don't know. And then so we're finally getting it. And the film was supposed to come out pre-COVID, too. And we find it's like, oh, that didn't work. Yeah, COVID forced it down the drain. So I'm glad things are starting to move back. So and. As always, thank you and everyone who's watched. Be sure to like, subscribe, hit the bell, see more content. We will see you on our next stream. Wear your masks, reach out to your loved ones, and you guys all have a wonderful, wonderful day. Peace.